doctors are not happy-go-lucky people. You're you're highly driven, competitive. You're often very focused individuals who put themselves through exam after exam after exam. <laughs> Hello and welcome to A Doctor's View, a podcast looking at everyday health topics and life through a doctor's eyes. Please note that all opinions are my own and should not replace the advice given to you by your own doctor. I'm Dr. Bolivios. Let's begin. Hello and welcome to A Doctor's View. Today I'm going to be talking about a topic that's close to the hearts of many doctors and that is burnout amongst doctors. It's an important topic that we often see in the news or in headlines quite often and it's often portrayed in the form of uh, suicide or in the form of a doctor leaving the medical professional together and everything in between. So why do doctors suffer from burnout? Um, firstly what I'm going to do is I'm going to discuss what burnout is, explain why I feel that we suffer from it um, more than other professions and also talk about how bad it is and how it can actually affect us. Now, burnout is defined as a syndrome of emotional exhaustion involving the development of negative self-concepts, negative job attitudes and a loss of concern and feeling for patients and this is what's defined uh, from the Royal College of Psychiatrists. The prevalence of depression in the UK docs is between 10 and 20 percent and it does vary between studies that you do and burnout affects variously as well between 25 and 76 percent of doctors. I think a recent study showed nearly two-thirds of general practitioners had suffered from burnout And this can have quite detrimental effects, not only to the doctor concerned, but also to their patients, to their families, their friends. Um, It's it's an entire cascade of problems that arise from someone suffering burnout. It's not just the person affected. So to start with, let's look at everything from the beginning medical career starts at a very early age. It starts before you're sitting your GCSEs. This might sound ridiculous to a notion, but when you think about it, the exams that you take, the GCSEs that you choose to do, they're going to dictate the A-levels that you will then be able to do later on and subsequently the A-levels that you need to do to get into into medical school. So right from the start, you're planning, if you're planning to go into medicine, you're automatically planning your GCSEs that you're going to sit and you're planning the A-levels that you want to do. Bear in mind, this is a lot of pressure for someone who's 13, 14, 15 years old. Um, You're essentially starting to put your eggs into one basket. You are expected to get straight A's. You're expected to get um, straight A's in A-levels too. You lose two UCAS places automatically, normally you get six choices. Um, this is in the UK, whereas for medicine, if you apply for medicine, you only get four choices. So automatically you're under a lot of pressure. You've got to do very well 
um, you are applying for something that's very oversubscribed and this happens from a very young age. That aside, you're then in medical school and, you know, you do your five years, which are five strenuous years. They're not easy. Um, There is a lot to learn and they are full years. Uh, I remember being having a housemate who was at university six months of the year versus my nine, ten. So it's it's a very different uh, course to a normal normal uh, degree. But of course, at this point, you're young, you're enthusiastic, you're energetic. This is where burnout sets in. I've heard um, doctors at university, at least when we were studying, they always describe themselves as, oh, I'm happy-go-lucky. Um, you know, I've, I'm blasé and this, that and the other kind of trying to depict this attitude of being very go with the flow. Doctors are not happy-go-lucky people. You're you're highly driven, competitive, you're often very focused individuals who put themselves through exam after exam after exam um, constantly, not for one or two years, but throughout an entire career and in a very competitive environment trying to go into a specialty which could be even more competitive than another we're not happy-go-lucky people and I I think that's one thing that people that say they're happy-go-lucky really need to think about before they say that we're not and this is the type of personality that often we are and this is one of the reasons why we can experience burnout we don't know when to stop we don't know how to stop um it's like if you watch a a formula one grand prix once they've won the race once the driver's won when they're on the podium they're not thinking about the race that they've just won they're thinking about the next one and the next one and the one after that they want more and we're the same we do one thing we pass an exam we finish med school then you want more you want to get your full GMC then you want more and you want to specialize and you want more you want to become a registrar then a consultant and then open up your own practice or whatever it may be you always want more and this isn't a bad thing at all you know um, I think you know ambitions are wonderful wonderful thing and I, I think the world should be full of it but it can often not be a conducive to the healthiest of lifestyles the next thing you got to look at is hospital life itself. A hospital is a very stressful environment, not just for patients, not just for relatives, but also for those looking after those patients. You are dealing with life and death constantly, even if you're not directly involved in a, a patient who, in, in the care for a patient who has passed away. You are constantly surrounded by it. It's in it's a very very odd place uh, emotionally to be. Going back to when I when I first started as a doctor, one of the most awful days I I remember was uh, being a foundation year two doctor. So second year out of university, had a uh, I was working in a pediatric unit at the time, and we had a, a an ambulance call to say that a child was coming into A&E 
and that child unfortunately uh, didn't make it and they were unfortunately dead on on arrival we 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 spent about an hour and a half trying to uh, resuscitate this this child uh, to the best we could and sadly they they had passed away in the same day uh, i then had to go immediately afterwards and do newborn baby checks and it was very difficult you've got uh, parents crying uh, only a few moments ago that you witnessed because of the death of a child and then you're congratulating parents for their new bundle of joy and this is a this is a, very rarely can you experience such a wide range of of emotions in a very short space of time and in such a short setting and it also is difficult because obviously whilst i was dealing with the with the, with the child in a and e um with the team i wasn't able to do the newborn baby checks so i had parents complain to me that they were waiting for so long to have their uh, newborn baby checks because obviously they're excited and wanted to go home. Now, of course, I didn't tell them where I was. I just apologised and uh, and took it on the chin, as it were. Um, it's a lot of emotions. You've got a little bit of frustration, a little bit of anger. You've got a huge sadness. You've got joy for these uh, for these new parents as well uh, who want to enjoy their time with their f- newborn. Um, and this is something that happens on a everyday basis. Uh, there's something like this going on in the hospital all the time. And this is a lot to take in. Um, you may not notice it at the time, but it's only when you go home and you think about the day or you um, realize it about a week later, maybe. And it manifests in a variety of different ways. And it can lead to burnout over time. So we are dealing with death all the time. You're having to explain to patients, um, break bad news to patients on a regular basis that they may have an incurable illness. You may have to break bad news to relatives that um, that unfortunately their father, mother, uh, grandparent are very sick and they're not going to... Um, make it and this is again emotionally very difficult one being able to do it in a tactful manner to try to keep people from breaking down this is very hard to do but also it's it's a it's a strain on uh on the person breaking the bad news too it's often overlooked that um as healthcare professionals be it doctors nurses healthcare assistants being surrounded by all of this and having to witness it all often does remind you of events that nigh on everyone can relate to personally and this can be very hard. There is also a bullying culture that still is maintained within the NHS and it has got a lot better and I what I mean by this is it can be inconducive to uh, a very unhealthy working environment. There are times where you are 
shouted at. Now this does vary from specialty to specialty, at least I've noticed that. Um, but it may even just be a passive aggressive form, even just a, a lack of gratitude. Now, I remember a time when um, I was doing a very busy uh, surgical job and it was a night shift. I saw over 20, nearly 30 patients. And when I say saw, I meant sorted as much as I could out. And on top of that, I had to deal with the wards and, and all the rest. I did it to the best of my ability. Um, it was it was a busy, busy shift. And instead of gratitude in the morning, what I got was the list of patients wasn't in alphabetical order. That's not good enough. And I had to bite my tongue and just carry on. Now, things like that can weigh you down over time. Again, as I said in a previous podcast, um, no one's expecting, uh, you know, relationships with with seniors, with everything uh, in terms of um, socialising and all the rest. But sometimes a thank you every now and then goes goes a very long way. Um, and I implore any medic listening to this, thank your theatre team, thank your nurses, thank your juniors. You know, it goes a long way. They remember it. And I'm sure everyone can relate to that. And following on from that, when you do have busy shifts, which is often very regular, um, especially nowadays, uh, if you've ever walked past a, an A&E unit, you will see how busy it is. You cannot look after one patient well. And by that, I mean as well as you want. You can sometimes have a bleep that does not stop going off. It It's incessant. Uh, you By the time you've answered one phone call, you get another bleep and another and another. And you can't focus on your job. This is stressful to to not be able to um, look after someone that you've you know is unwell, and it's just the way the NHS is now. And even things like not having time to go to the loo, you may be in a long theatre case lasting for hours and hours on end. You may not have had anything to drink, and. All these things, again, are stressors. We cope with them, we deal with them, and we, we say it's part of our, our job. It's what we knew going into it. And yes, we I'm sure we all love our jobs, but uh, we don't realise just how much over time, I feel at least, that this uh, this can slowly chip away at you and end up in uh, a, a burnout. Now, hospital life aside, you then got your personal life to deal with. You may have uh, a mortgage. You may have family problems, illnesses, either personal illnesses or illnesses within the family. You may have financial difficulties. It's very easy to go into a, a medical unit, hospital, and see some amazing people doing amazing things. and we can forget that these people are people. They're, they're human. They they have the same problems that everyone else does. And they can manifest in many, many ways. And unfortunately, 
medicine doesn't help with that because you don't have the same time to deal with those problems. And sometimes those problems are exacerbated by being in the medical profession and being sometimes, unfortunately, more often than not in a disorganized um, profession. So, for example, you might be looking to get a mortgage or a loan and the bank's asking to uh, see your contract, to see how much you're earning. And you have to say to them, I haven't got a contract yet. I've worked in places where I received my contract after I left. And that's just poor organisation. You may not be able to book a holiday because you haven't got your roads yet. You don't know if you're on call. You may not be able to say yes to that wedding or that uh, party or whatever it may be because you don't know what you're doing or you're working a night shift. And these are all things that really do affect everyday life. And it doesn't just affect the the doctor or or the shift worker in the in the hospital themselves it also affects those around them and this can sometimes put strain on so many things be it family relationships be it personal relationships and again this adds to all the stresses that uh, that you face every day and can lead to burnout on top of that you've got other things to do with your job as well that you have to do outside in your personal life. And I, I have touched on this before in, a, in another podcast, but you do have things like exams, audits, appraisals, assessments, revalidation. These are all things that take time to do and they are things that you're not paid in time to do. They're things that you have to do in your own free time. They you have to sacrifice uh, that cinema trip, you sacrifice that birthday party, you sacrifice spending time with family, friends, loved ones to do these things. And often it gets to a point where, where doctors ask themselves, why? Why am I doing this? Why am I detracting so much from things that make me happy to do these things that are essentially just jumping through hoops to tick a box to allow me to um, say yes to uh, to practice for longer or, or to progress up the ladder? And it can make people miserable. And again, this can all lead to burnout. So the point of this podcast is to try and raise awareness uh, to this situation. It's something that I feel is happening more often because there are more pressures on the NHS, there are more uh, pressures in life, even things like social media, for example. This is a new phenomenon, relatively new phenomenon, and we've often seen uh, articles and headlines about it social media causing depression or causing um, causing mental health illness. And doctors aren't immune to these type of things, but these are all things that help add to the problems of, of burnout as well. I just want people to know that um, doc, any doctors listening to this know that you're not alone and it's you're not the first, you're not the last to suffer from burnout if you feel that you are. But the important thing is to recognize it, to recognize that you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling unhappy, and to talk to someone about it. There's a number of 
things that um, we can do. We can look out for each other. And this is why um, I'm also addressing this to the general population. You don't have to be a medical professional at all. But if you do know someone who it doesn't have to be medicine, anyone can suffer from burnout in any profession. I'm just simply focusing on medicine uh, as it's something that I know about. But we need to make sure that, you know, check in on that friend from time to time, check in on uh, on that relative from time to time, make sure that you that they're, they're okay. You know, we need to initiate discussions with, with people, not just wait for something unfortunate to happen and then think, oh, there were signs there before. You know, if you see someone that starts looking disheveled all day and starts turning up to work late or just looks stressed day after day, uh, all these little things, they're, they're subtle. But often when we look back and we reflect, we think, ah, do you know, maybe, maybe we could have uh, picked up on this. There's a, a study that showed the the alcohol intake of of doctors and the the drug abuse of doctors, and it was quite a high proportion of um of people. I think I think it was twenty percent said they drank relatively regularly or, or binge drank. I think on the criteria at least, I think five percent actually were uh, could be diagnosed with with alcohol abuse so if you are noticing someone drinking too much or um, even things like taking too much coffee all these all these little things um, it's worth bringing up so lastly I want to sort of mention a few things about what to do if if you are a doctor and you want to seek help or you feel that you need to seek help there's a few things and there's a there's a brilliant um, leaflet by the uh, Royal College of Psychiatrists, and they, they mentioned a few things. I'm going to run through some of them. So they say monitor your own health and stress levels. So monitor your sleeping patterns, ensure you're getting good good nights rest every night, ensure healthy living. And we're often very good at telling patients how to live their life, the importance of diet, exercise, etc. And often we're pretty bad at, at, at doing it ourselves. And so it's important to have a balanced diet and reduce your caffeine intake as well. I will try and do a, a podcast about caffeine. It's quite an important um, topic. Ensure that you're getting at least 30 minutes exercise five times a week. Then things like monitoring your own stress coping strategies. So what that means is what do you do at times of heightened stress? You know, uh, there are people that reach for the bottle as it were or substance abuse and it's monitoring to make sure that you're not doing something destructive at that time where you feel particularly stressed keep a, a alcohol diary or keep a, a diary of things that you don't in you don't you regret afterwards as it were um discuss your situation with family and friends and this i think you know can't be emphasized enough we're all uh we all know um people we we've all got friends we've all got family use them share problems with them uh it is a cliche to say a problem shares a problem halved or a problem shares a problem solved but 
it is very true just getting something off your chest even if it's just just getting off a, a difficult situation with a with a colleague that you know something that you've been through you know in a safe environment you know without breaking confidentiality and all, and all those things but you know just just being able to talk about a difficult day to a colleague and that leads to the other the other thing that's mentioned is informal discussion with colleagues you try and uh, they may have had a similar experience and this can help you know you think oh, someone else has been through this they know they can arrange uh, peer groups or some form of some form of way of dealing with it together then we go into sort of things like formal discussions with colleagues. We, we've, if you're a doctor in a in a hospital, um, and I believe even in general practice, you have supervisors, you have clinical supervisors, you have educational supervisors. Often, trusts um, and hospitals themselves have uh, a pathway to help tackle the work related issues and help tackle stress. There are. Uh, there are paths and there are um, things put in place to allow um, juniors and consultants to discuss some of the things that have gone on and discuss anything that's on your mind. And occupational health can even help with that. Another thing to do is your GP is a very, very useful person and they are very helpful. And you know, a, a UK study found that Although 96% of docs are registered with a GP, very few actually made use of their services and, you know, and a quarter of consultants would bypass their GP altogether to obtain further consultant advice. So use your GP. They have seen this, they've dealt with it, they know the right channels and they can help you. So with that, I will leave you. If you do have any topics you'd like me to discuss or like me to look into, please email me. Uh, my email address is in the podcast description. And as always, please look after yourselves and I look forward to joining you again next time. I'm Dr. Bolivios. Goodbye.